up and driving when the sun goes down the hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time now it don't Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries, and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today, and you're going to want to get more copies of this, so give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org, or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling from two chrome stacks. My address is 408-414. A big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Spicer. What's going on, Gary Raven? Man, are we having a time today. We are. We are. I just love riding around these big trucks with these drivers out there, getting in the cab with them. You know, the best part of it is when they let me blow the air horn. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah. I miss those days, don't you? No. Maybe we could get us <laughs> No, no, no. no. I'll buy an air horn and put it on my pickup. Truck. I was thinking we might apply for a job and, and run teams. You're thought wrong there, brother. <laughs> You ever do any teaming when you was driving? Oh, didn't? yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't you hate that? Brother, I've woke up, and the driver said, man, it's your turn. And I get up and be out there fueling, looking around, not even know where I'm at. Amen. I have to go into the fuel stop and say, man, where am I at? <laughs> Been there, no, I don't want a team anymore. Oh, uh, them days are past for us, Yes, yeah. We let up. them young truck drivers take That's care right. of all that yep. uh, heavy lifting out there. And now, Daryl, I want to put on a song was the McKay Project's very first number one song, and it's a song called Taking Me Home that uh, I got to help write. Had a truck driver by the name of Sam Story dropped by my office one day, and he came in and we started talking about songwriting. And he said, let's write a song together. So we sat down in my office and wrote this song, and then we took it to Bill Shell and had a demo made of it, and then... When we came out with Lonesome Road Volume 1, I told Dennis that I wanted this song to be on there, and I wanted him to sing it. Here's Taking Me Home. a long hard ride down a lonesome highway wheels are humming like a sad old song windshield wipers singing along take me Me 
from my good friend, Daryl Spicer today. Daryl, you've preached some really great messages, and these drivers need to hear some of the messages that you've preached because you're talking to them. Well, I am, and, and I, I don't call it preaching. I call it reaching. There you go. You know, I, what I do is, is when I stand up behind a pulpit, and by the way, do you know what pulpit stands for? It means that you get pulled from the pit. <laughs> I like that. That's what a pulpit's all about. I like that. And I've been pulled from that pit. But when I stand up behind that pulpit, first of all, I'm honored. That's a place of uh, humility. Amen. And yeah. uh, It sure is. It I... is. And what I all I could know to do is the Lord told me years ago, when, when I first started in the ministry as men's leader in our church, I didn't have a clue what to say. I, my first message was on a Monday night. On Sunday afternoon, and I'd known about it for a month, the paper was blank. And I'll never forget, I was standing in the hallway, and I looked at that piece of paper, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me here. I need help. I don't know what to say. And this is exactly the words the Lord spoke to me. I'll never forget it. Speak of what you, you know. know. And I said, Lord, I don't know anything. <laughs> I actually said, I don't know nothing. Or nothing. Nothing. I don't know nothing. And he says, you know trucking, don't you? And it touched my heart that I can apply what I know that I've been through in life to what he has given me and how my life has changed and how I can share what I've been through in life to try to help someone else and reach my hand down and help pick them up. And that's what my messages are all about. It's what God has used me to do. Crazy stuff, stuff I never dreamed in a thousand years that I would be standing behind a pulpit of a church and talking to God's people because I didn't know nothing. And Gary, I still don't know nothing, but I know Jesus. Amen. Well, that's all we got to do is know Jesus. And when we turn our lives over to him, there's nothing we can't do. That's right. If we let him use us. As long as we're in his will. Hear my Lord, use me. Terry Hopkins. I'm your man. <laughs> I'm your man. <laughs> and here is our man today, my partner, Daryl Spicer. The message today is kind of ironic coming from me, if you knew me very well. 
the message is spiritual wisdom. I usually don't have that word in my vocabulary, wisdom. But uh, prior to being saved, and, and, and I've given my testimony about wrestling with God for three months, the biggest part of that wrestling was, God, I'm not good enough. Look at me. Why would you even want me? I failed you once before. I'm not good enough. But through all of that, the conviction, never condemnation, he showed me his love. And he led me. And, and after I gave my heart to him in, in September of 2007, he, he, he ceased being my convictor and became my teacher. Because I had so much learning to do. <laughs> you talked about the mother's milk. And that's what he gave me. He gave me the milk of the word. I remember it was uh, the Tuesday. I got saved on Sunday night, September the 17th, 2007. Monday, I got up Monday morning. And it was just a, it was like, okay, was that real? Did that really happen? But there was this peace that was on me that I didn't have Sunday morning when I got up. And I went to work and I had a lot to do that day, a lot of stuff to do. And I had meetings at, at lunch and I came home that night and I, and I walk in the house and tears are just rolling. And my wife said, what's going on? I said, nothing. I don't know. I've just got this voice and this peace inside of me. I don't understand. The next day at work, at lunchtime, I left work. I, had to, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, know, I didn't know how to pray. I hadn't prayed in 40 years. The only prayer I'd said is, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. That's the only prayer I've said in 40 years, and he did. And, and I left work at lunchtime, and I'm driving, and I went up to the church parking lot. And I pulled in that parking lot, and I was crying. A 57-year-old man bawling like a baby. And I kept looking at that church, and I saw cars, and, and I wanted to go inside and pray. But I didn't know how to pray. And these people would think I was a nut walking up to the church that, you know, they'd seen a few times, but they didn't know me. I called my wife. I said, honey, I, said, I don't know what to do. I said, I, I don't know what to do with all of this. And she said, baby, go up to the door. And I said, I can't do that. So I sit there for the longest time. And finally, the Lord says, go to the cemetery. My mother had been dead a couple of years, a year and a half. And I said, okay. I mean, you go to a cemetery and cry like a baby and throw your hands up and they won't think you're crazy. They think you're mourning. So, so I go to the cemetery and I sit down on a bench and I said, God, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know what to do. And the words come so clear. He says, you're home. You're home. So the peace of God just rushed all over me. The words of God in your spirit. But at that time, he was talking to me in both ears. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. The stuff, he was just on and on and on. And, and I was, back then, I, I was a bodybuilder. I wasn't a good one, so I quit. <laughs> but I was walking quite a bit and talking to God. And I walked down these paths, and, and I just talked to him. And he would talk to me. He would minister to me. And I says, God, and I was having trouble one day praying through. I had a driver that was going through some pretty serious cancer, and I, and I, and I, couldn't, I just didn't feel like God was listening. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to say here. You know my heart. And he says, I didn't change your heart. I changed your being. Because when he changes your whole being and who you are, he changes your heart. I started liking people I didn't like before. <laughs> he just, but he changes your heart. And what he does is he gives you the meat, milk of the word. Because if you start throwing the meat of the word at somebody, what is, happens? I don't want to hear that. Because I've seen Christians do that. Start throwing scripture after scripture after scripture at people. And these people, they, they've never prayed. They don't know the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit do the preaching. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit come before you. The Lord's already tilled the ground. All you're going to do is plant a seed, whether it's a CD, whether it's your testimony, or whether it's a kind word that they see Jesus in you. Because we have to have the milk of the word as new Christians. Because 
Here's the meat. The Word of God. Your Bible is the meat. But if you're not ready for it, it was about six or seven weeks before I even picked the Bible up. Because I wasn't ready. And then I, what did he give me? Ephesians chapter 5. Boy, that was a tough one. <laughs> Put down your foolish things. You know, okay, Lord, if I have to. But the, the, the meat of the word uh, is so important to us as Christians. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll give you time to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 9 through 14. And this is on spiritual wisdom. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. If you know the history of the Corinthian church, they was a mess. They started letting paganism and all of these other things, idolatry and stuff, go back into the church. So Paul scolded them. And this is part of it. Verse 9, chapter 2, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, of, of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's a promise right there. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. That's a problem the world has. They don't understand the spirit. They don't understand that we are a peculiar people. And why are we peculiar? Because we live in the spirit. We should be living in the spirit. For what man knows the things of of a man except the spirit of the man which is, is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, and that we might know the things that have freely given to us by God. It's free. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That's why I was sitting in the parking lot didn't know what to do. Still a lot of natural man in me, a lot of carnal in me. I didn't know what to do because I hadn't, I hadn't heard this side of God's Spirit. I've heard the, the, the conviction side, but I hadn't heard the teaching side. I didn't know what he was telling me to do. Let's go down to chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as the spiritual people, but as to the carnal, as to the babes in Christ. I feed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. That's some chastisement right there. That's the Corinthian church has been going back and Paul had to feed him the milk again to get him started. And I say these things because as new Christians, and I consider myself a baby Christian. I've only been saved six and a half years. I've got a long way to go. So I say these things because as we talk about the voice of God, we need to know what that means. We need to read his word, study his word as we receive the meat of the word, but we also need to understand his voice. And when he tells us what to do, that is the anointing. That's, right. That's when the anointing falls upon us and we can just bask in it and understand that the favor of God is in the anointing of God. That's when he starts showing us things that we never dreamed of. Have us start doing things that we never, never thought of doing. But I grew so much stronger when I had all of them words coming into my head. But then I, was, I grew in him and I fell in, in love with the studying of his word. Man, I love this word. Oh, and and I, I came home one night and, and I'd been studying and I stayed late at work to study. And I told my wife, I said, boy, I said, I haven't studied this hard in a long time. She says, you've never studied that hard in your life. <laughs> We've known each other since she was 12 and and I was 13. But because it, since being saved in 2007, I had this desire to learn the word of God. You know, I started hanging around these people called Christians. And I started sitting there listening to these pastors come up and preach. And I'm like, whoa, that's way over my head. 
And then as I started studying the word and I would read some scripture in some of my studies and then Sunday I'd go to church and Pastor Johnny would get to preaching on the very same verses I've been studying. And I kept looking at my Bible. Where's he getting this? I didn't get that. Where do, why did I not see that? That's what you call the living word of God. You could read a verse one day and come back six months later and read it again, and it's totally different. And because that's the Holy Spirit and the anointing speaking at you at that time of what you need. But I took 34 uh, sessions of discipleship. This was at the very beginning of 2008. I took 34 lessons, uh, got a little diploma. And it was pretty hard stuff for me because I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I kept going. And it was neat. At the end of it, one of the teachers got sick, and they called me about an hour and a half before the lesson that night and asked me if I'd teach it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Because every day I would go out at lunch and sit down at a picnic table somewhere, and I'd study that lesson for the whole week before the next lesson. I would have it in my spirit. I just studied it. I was hungry. There was a hunger there. Some people don't understand that. If the CD doesn't, or if we're making a CD out of this, if it doesn't tell you anything else, God will put the hunger in your spirit if you obey him and you listen to that voice. One of the problems that I've seen, what little bit of knowledge I have of church, is that folks come to the altar, they listen to the spirit of God, and they get on their knees and they cry and they cry out to God and, and they lay everything on the altar. But when they walk out, they stop listening to that voice. Okay, I got it now. Or they might continue to listen to the voice for a while, but they fail to go after the meat of the word. See, there's a price to pay. It's called your time. It's called your energy. It's called your obedience. And a man told me one time, just recently, he said, you know why it took you three months and you fought God for three months? I said, I guess because I'm stupid. I, he said, I'll tell you why. Because God had to make you hate your sin enough to give it up. And I'm reminded of that all the time now. I had to hate the sin that I was in that kept me awake at night. Amen. That kept me uncomfortable at night. And all of a sudden, when you get that peace of God and the anointing of God, you should get hungry for him. Amen. Then it, it, after I finished in classes in the middle of the year, 2008, they, our, our church had a, a, a Bible college going on. It's called River Life School of Ministry. And we had some great teachers in, in these classes. And, and all the other folks, because they saw the hunger in me. Brother, you need it. now you need to go on to Berean. Berean is uh, Assemblies of God. It's part of their college. It's through Global University. You need to go on to Berean. So I ordered the books. I'm hungry. I'm ready to rock and roll with Jesus. I'm going to learn all I can. So I went to about five classes, and, and I went home one night, and I, I was on the way home, and the Lord spoke to me, you're not ready for this. You're not ready yet. Need to get back in the milk. I was running too fast. I got a little too hungry. You know me, look at me. I get hungry a lot. But I got a little hungry. I got too hungry. I was trying to get ahead of God. So I needed the milk a little longer. But God always has a plan for us. I felt like I was... With this milk being fed to me and everything that was coming at me... I started to feel a little special. I'll be honest. When you get in the favor of God, yeah. you, you start feeling, I got it. I got it now. I'm rocking and rolling. These people think I'm smart because I had discipleship class. They think I need to go to college. <laughs> I barely made it through high school. So one day in November... Of 2008, I used to live about seven miles from the house, or work about seven miles from the house. And I never went home for lunch. I'd, she used to pack me something, or I'd go out and grab something and do some studying or do something. Well, this one day before Thanksgiving of 2008, the day before, I called her and I said, baby, I'm coming home for lunch. 
So I got home. It was a beautiful day, like in, in the 70s. And I was finishing up eating, and, and they had started building a school through the woods behind my house. The next property was the school property. We've got about three acres in the subdivision there in Murfreesboro. But through the woods back through there, they'd been hearing the blasting and the this and the that. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to drive by that school and just see how much they've accomplished. I hadn't been back there in a few weeks. And, and normally I would turn right to go to the sub, out of the subdivision. I turned left, and it's about not even a mile down there to that school. It's right behind Daryl's house and, uh, and mine. And so I, I went to turn into the school, which is less than a mile from where I left my subdivision, and there was a bunch of construction trucks and stuff in there, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to pull in there, nails and yada yada. So I turned down a little road right there by the school. I've lived here at that time 20 years. And at the end of that road, about 1,000 feet, is a church that I had never seen before. And I, and I probably had, but I never really noticed it. And it's a little church. It's uh, probably 40 feet wide in the front, the sanctuary. Then it goes straight back to the sanctuary, and then there's a T. Like it, it's got classrooms off to each side, so it makes a T. And I looked at that church, and I'm driving down there to make a U-turn to turn around. And I goes. That church needs a steeple. It looks like a warehouse sitting back here. It's a brick, red roof, you know. So I turn around in the parking lot, and I'm driving back up, and I'm facing the school, and I get right to the stop sign to make my left, and the Lord says, I want you to build them a steeple. And I looked at my mirror, and I goes, I didn't just hear that. And the Lord says, I'm looking in my mirror. He says, I want you to build them a steeple. I want these children to see my glory. And at that time, I saw a school bus in my vision stop in front of me. And a little boy, blonde-headed boy, was looking down that road with tears in his eyes. And I said, Lord, are you going to make me look like a fool? And I looked in my mirror and I said, God. That wasn't you. Because a lot of times his voice starts sounding like our voice. Especially when we want it our way. But I sure didn't want to build them people a steeple. So I went to work. I couldn't get it off my mind. I, I left work at quitting time and I went back and I, and I drove by my street and I went down to that parking lot. And I sit there and I says, God. I don't know what to do here. Did you tell me to build these people? These people? I'm not a builder. I don't know anything about this stuff. And I just felt it in my spirit that it's something that had to be done. Well, the next day, it was a nice day. I jumped on my motorcycle. And guess where I went? Right back over that church. Then I drove around. And I started looking at churches. And I started looking at steeples and pulling in their parking lot and saying, Lord, you don't want me to build this church a steeple. <laughs> I went there many, many times for the next three weeks. Didn't say a word to anybody because I didn't want to look stupid, foolish. Christmas week, Joyce and I had some time to sit and talk. And I said, I got to tell you something. And I told her the story, and, and she says, honey, why, why don't you call them? Maybe they don't want a steeple. I said, okay. So I went by that day and got the phone number off the side of their little church bus, van. And a few days later, I called the number, and I got a voicemail. Thank you, Jesus. So I left a message. I said, you don't know who I am, but I live in the neighborhood, and I, and my, I gave him my name. And I said, uh, if you get a chance, I wish you'd call me. I want to speak. I got some. I want to speak to you about. And this was right to the pastor's phone. He didn't call. That's cool. A week went by. He didn't call. That's a sign. The Lord says, no, you call again. So I called again. And keep in mind, I'm driving to that church at least three to four to five times a week, pulling in that parking lot. And asking God, please, God, tell me I'm stupid. Tell me this isn't of you. He wouldn't. So I called again. This time I didn't even get his voicemail. 
That's cool. That's a sign. No, no. Keep going by. Because when they had church, we had church. So I never saw anybody there. Till one Wednesday afternoon, I pull in and there's a black pickup truck sitting back there. I pull up and I said, God, don't make me go in there and talk to this man. I went in. I said, are you the pastor? He said, yep. I said, well, this is going to be one of these days you ain't going to believe this when you start telling this story. When a man walked up to you and said, the Lord has told me to build you a steeple. And he kind of smiled. He goes, really? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, we can't afford a steeple. I said, I didn't ask if you want to buy one. Ask if you wanted one. He said, well, I need to talk to my elders, but we have been talking about doing something like that. We've needed to for years. Uh, matter of fact, we just had a fellow pass away here a couple of years ago that all I heard the last three years of his life is how we needed to put a steeple on top of this church. He said, maybe you're an answer to his prayers. I said, I don't know. I said, but if, if you know, just talk to your elders. So the next, now here this guy had been there and this was like in January now. And, and he hadn't been there, but here the next Wednesday, I pull in, there he is. And I walked in, and he said, you know, my elders been wanting to know who's been bringing that, driving that red car back here all the time. They see a car back here all the time. Now we know. He said, they said, if you want to build us a steeple, go ahead. Okay. So I go back to the office, and I've been, I've been looking up steeples on the Internet. And what, what size and kind and yada, yada. I'm not a steeple salesman. I don't know. But it says that it should be 10% of the width of the front of the church and as long as the church is high. So, okay. So I got on the internet and I started looking for steeples and I found one. It was a fiberglass in North Alabama. It was $1,400. What do you think my income tax check was? $1,425. And now I'm thinking, how am I going to get this thing from Alabama up here? Because all I got enough money to pay for the steeple to get started. And the Lord said, I didn't tell you to buy them a steeple. I told you to build them a steeple. I think I'm off the milk now. And I said, Lord... I don't know anything about building a steeple. And I thought for a minute, and two years before this, before I was even saved, we had a, some damaged load. We, we pulled a flatbed with our company, and there was some damaged material on this load. And I asked the company if they would sell it to me. And they said, well, just go ahead and take it. It's not that much. So they gave it to me. It was, every, it was 90% of everything I needed to build a steeple. 23, 30 seconds, finished on one side plywood. Two by fours, two by sixes. Okay, I've got the material. I've got the size it needs to be. I don't have a clue how to build a steeple. So I'm talking to my wife and my oldest son, who is not churched, is a carpenter, framer. She said, why don't you talk to Jeff? I said, he will think I'm crazy. I mean, you go talk to somebody that doesn't have any spiritual wisdom at all, and they're going, oh, he's lost his mind. He's one of them religious nuts, which I am. I said, how are we going to do that? She said, let's feed him first. <laughs> so we invited him over to the house, and we fed him. And I said, son, I got something I need to talk to you about. And he said, okay. I said, we need to go for a ride. So I take him over to that church. By the time I got to the end of the story and what I needed done, we're sitting in the parking lot. And I said, Jeff, what do you think? He said, Dad, if, if the Lord told you to do it, whatever you want me to do, but I don't have a clue how to build a steeple. I said, well, we're together. So he comes to work the next day, meets me, we get on a computer, we start looking at designs and this and this and this and this. And, and he said, well, how do you want it to look? So I told him. I told him the size. I wanted, you know, the, what do you call it, the cupola or something? The, the, the base, 
four foot by four foot by four foot. Yeah, and the next size up, the next one up, looked like a birthday cake. Three foot by three foot. And then the steeple, it was 21 feet tall, the whole thing. It was on a metal roof. He said, how do you want to do this? We start, he drew out some stuff, and I started penciling some stuff in. I said, this is the way it needs to be built. We took a 22-foot 4x4 treated, and we put it right down the middle of them two boxes, all braced in. And then we built the steeple. Everything was built at 45-degree angles and sealed before it was put together, and everything was screwed together. And he says, okay. And we, and we kept the 4x4 four four down about uh, 6 or 8 inches where it goes right into the roof. But... He said, Dad, this thing's going to weigh three or 400 pounds. He said, you sure that roof will hold it? I said, I don't know. God just told me to build it and put it up there. It's up to him to keep it. He said, well, let's go over to the church. So we called the pastor, and he got an elder to meet us. We went up in the attic. He said, Dad, we're going to have to uh, beef up all these trusses. So we put all this plywood up there and two-by-sixes and all of this. I mean, he knew what he was doing. You know, he's got the air guns and all this stuff. We beefed up that roof. He said, now, how are you going to hold this on here? I said, I don't know. Let me pray about it. We took eighth-inch cable and run it up about a foot and a half down from the top of the steeple, inside, okay, on the 4 by 4 drilled holes through the 4 by 4 came down on to both corners of the, of the cupola, whatever you call that, and then did the same thing on the other side to the four corners, took uh, uh, turnbuckles, eye bolts, and we bolted it to the roof of that church. Underneath, inside, he made two-by-eight plates for them bolts to go through because we're not just pulling on sheeting. We need to pull on in plates. I had a smart son. I got a smart son. He knows this stuff. And, he, and all the time we're building this in my garage, he's saying, how do you know this? I said, God told me, son. That's all I got to tell you. I mean, we had to get it up off the edges of the metal roof, so we took treated two by fours and then we put the, the sheeting up a little bit on that and, and it just it when we set it down on there it was completely 100 percent level but here's the problem how do you get this on top of that church i'm like lord what am i going to do he said i want you to go to that construction crew across the street at that school and you tell them you need to set that up on top of that church because they was putting a roof on that school Lord, <laughs> okay, so one day at lunch, I drove to this construction site, and here's this guy out there, I said, who's the boss man? I want to see to the, speak to the high mucky muck. His name was Jeff, and he sits in that office in that house, tra that trailer over there. Uh, so I go inside, and I ask him, where's Jeff? He says, right there in that office. I introduced myself, and I had just gotten the cards from my church because I was a men's director. That's another foolish thing I did. I was a men's director of our church already. <laughs> and I said, I'm, this is who I am. I go to a certain sort of church, and, and I, I need some help putting a steeple on top of that church across the street. And he opens up his blinds. He said, there's a church over there. <laughs> he had been there over a year building this school and he never saw that church right out his window across the street he looks at me and he hands me his card he said when do you want to do it I said it has to be on a Saturday okay let me know when I said well my son Jeff's going to be calling you and he'll let you know what we need to do he said okay just give me a call about three weeks later on a Saturday him and two men come over and they had one of the big old luff lofts, lifts, stretches out like 50-some feet. His two men climbed up on the forklift and held the steeple as it went up, and they set it down on the roof of that church. And it was perfectly level. Now, I'm scared of heights, but I was going up there. So I went up there, and I'm walking across that roof. <laughs> and I helped them bolt that down, and I prayed, and I said, God... I've done what you ask. I put it here. Now you keep it here. So we bolted it down. I, went, I came down off the ladder, and a car pulled up. A little black man got out. He was a passenger. He had his cane. 
He said, you the man putting this steeple up here? I said, yes, sir. He said, you see that house right there? I said, yes, sir. He said, I live in that house. He said, my people gave this church this land back in the 30s. Now, this was a newer church. They had built the other one that burned down, and they built this church a few years ago. He said, my brother, before he died, prayed for a steeple to be put on this church. This man was 89 years old. He said, in January, I started praying for a steeple on this church before I died. And here it was, May. Answered his prayers. But God will feed you the milk of the word until you're ready for the meat of the word. And all them months that I wrestled with God and I said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. He showed me one step at a time that you can do this with him. Because through him, all things are possible. Just with the strength. But we first have to start with the milk of the word. We have to live out our faith. We have to be willing to look foolish. Because sometimes we have to be humbled. And sometimes we have to know that through his strength. If you're not willing to look foolish, then you are foolish. That is why so many people have never built an ark. Killed a giant, walked on the water, built a steeple, started a trucking ministry, started making CDs, handing them out, had a vision. You didn't want to look foolish. That's why they didn't start it. That's why you guys, Bob and Stephanie, you have this ministry here. You was willing to step out in faith. And you put your money where your mouth is. You put your money where your faith was. And the Lord brought you a couple that is willing. More than a couple. They've brought you guys hundreds of people that is willing to share your vision. And we don't mind being foolish standing at a fuel island somewhere handing somebody a CD. We'll be foolish. Because the fruit of the ministry is what we're looking for. And what you guys witnessed this weekend is the fruit of your ministry. Yeah. But no one's asking a driver out there in that truck to build that steeple or walk on the water. But the greatest thing that a man or a woman can build is a godly household. That they build this household that their family can see that they're a man or woman of God. And that they'll raise their children in a godly manner. If there's a driver out there listening to this CD or, or a mother or father, a grandmother, grandfather, be an example to your children. Build up a home with the faith in the word of God. And don't be afraid to look foolish in front of your children. That was a hard step for me to go to my son and say, Jeff, God has told me something. But my birthday card I got, and well, Father's Day card I got for my son, my oldest son, Jeff. He said, Dad, the consistency of your love for me is greatly appreciated. So we need to do that with the Lord. We need to be consistent with our Father. And not be afraid to go get on your knees in a truck, wherever you're at, and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. And I'm willing to look foolish. I'm willing to step out in faith and have my life changed. And understand that God doesn't want you to do the heavy lifting. He'll do it all for you. Just listen to that voice. You know, the word said that... The Jesus said, I will send a comforter. Do you understand what that is? It is the Holy Spirit of God that comes to each and every one of us. It's that dove that flew by your window, Sister Anne, in your darkest hour and said, I'm here with you.
It's the anointing of God that we need to put the trust in him. Not in man, because man does not understand the spiritual things. I'm sorry for you, Mr. Driver, if you're listening to this and you don't understand when we talk about spiritual wisdom and the knowledge and the milk and the meat of the word. What does that mean? If you'd have told me that three months before I got saved, I'd have looked at you with like a deer in the headlight. What are you talking about? But you know what? The Holy Spirit of God taught me for three months how to listen to him so that when I finally give my heart to him, I learn how to trust him and have faith in him. God wants you to believe in him. It's not all about church. It's not all about religion. It's about the faith that we need to have in the Holy Spirit of God to to handle us and to work with us. We're all individuals and we all have it differently, but it's still the same God. It's still the same Holy Spirit. The Word talks about that. The Lord comes to every one of us in different ways because He knows your heart. He knows your being. He knows how to get to you. But you don't have to let Him get to you. I heard it said recently that God gives us free will. And if you're in a boat with God, he's constantly rowing. If you stop rowing, you're going in circles. But if you, if you use your will as his, as his will, you're both going to go where you need to go. But he gives you the opportunity to stop rowing. And you end up going in circles. It's been said that when you get saved, you get all of Jesus. But when you get the Holy Spirit, he gets all of you. That's all he asked for, to give you that eternity. Give him all of you. Father, we thank you this day for an opportunity to come to this house, which is your house, and just share the word and share you with, with, with drivers on the road, with the folks here in this building today. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we want to draw closer and near to you. Father, we pray today that that someone out there would listen to this CD will say, God, I can do this with your help. Lord, if I turn my life over to you, will you do this for me? Father, speak to them through your Holy Spirit. Let them know that you're an awesome God and a loving God. Let them know that you're there to help them, not to hurt them. To give them the peace that only you can give. There's nothing in this world that can give the peace of the Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. At the darkest of days, I was lost without hope. Just an old sinner thief at the end of my rope. In my mind was a scripture many times I had scorned. While down the road they led Jesus, they claimed virgin born. That day I met Jesus hanging there on a tree I heard as he spoke and he beckoned to me I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day he saved me There was nothing to do that would alter my past That's when I knew that this day was my last They nailed this man Jesus on a cross next to me There I opened my heart, new life to receive That day I met Jesus hanging there on a tree I heard as he spoke and he beckoned to me I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day he saved me See?
That day I met Jesus, that day he saved me. If you died right now, do you know if you would go to heaven? If you were standing at the gates and the angel asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Do you know the answer? There is only one answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the doorway to heaven. Acts 2.21 says, It shall be that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's Romans 10.9. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's the way. That's the road map to get out of any situation that you're in. And that's to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that. Anybody can do that. There might be somebody right now listening to this CD. And they might be ready right now to find their way out of this darkness that they're in. Out of this pit. And if they'll just... Pray a little simple prayer right now with me. God is going to save you. Just say, Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my Lord, as my Savior. I believe Jesus died for my sins. His blood was shed so that I could be forgiven. And I believe that he has been raised from the dead. I surrender my life to you, Jesus, and I accept you as my Lord from this moment forward. I receive the forgiveness of sin through your shed blood, Jesus. Take out my old heart. Lord, give me a new heart, a new spirit, a new life, and I will follow you with your help, by your grace, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And drivers, my friend, Gary Rayburn, has a song called At the Foot of the Tree that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. Here is Dennis McKay singing At the Foot of the Tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Those eighteen wheels are rolling. That old lonesome road And I shared the good news Wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used 
used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. to hear from you my phone number is 618-383-2107 that's it yeah we'll talk at you later there you go Rolling down that Easter Seaboard I got my diesel turned up And she running like never before Well, there's a speed zone ahead, all right But I don't see a cop in sight Six days on the road And I'm gonna make it on tonight I got me ten forward gears And a Georgia overdrive no pills cause my eyes are open wide I just passed the Volvo and a white I've been passing everything inside Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home My law boots way behind Nothing bothers me tonight I can dodge all the scales alright Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight Well my rig's a little low but that don't mean she's slow There's a flame from a stack and the smoke's blowing black as coal well, my hometowns are coming in sight And if you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight I said six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight 
Yeah, mama, yeah.